Hello there, welcome back in to Talking Catholic with David O'Gray. In case you didn't notice, I am David O'Gray. And today I'm talking Catholic about the two popes, the two popes that the evidence that we have suggests were Freemasons. Imagine that. Two popes that we have evidence to prove that they most likely were Freemasons. And I will begin. I'll give you those names. I'll drop that to you right after this a second introduction to talking Catholic. And while Rhapsody Blue is playing, it will be just enough time for you to click like, subscribe and share. If you're listening to the podcast version, please rate and share. And if you're watching on YouTube, please tap that bell so you can be notified when I release a new video. Thank you. And I will see you on the other side. As many of you know, I am the author of the Catholic Catechism of Freemasonry. And I thank every guy, all you guys who, who bought the book. Um, um, and this book is a theological and historical treatment on the Catholic Church's prohibition against Freemasonry and its appendant Masonic bodies. It was published by St. Dominic's Media in 2020. Um, there has never been another comprehensive book written like this one. And that's why I think so many people have purchased it because it's, it's not written from the perspective of, of an apologist. I'm not a, an apologist. Um, and, and I'm not trying to do what apologists do and like the other books that were written about this subject. I'm not trying to explain why Freemasonry is wrong based upon the truths of the Catholic Church. Rather, what this is, is truly a theological and historical treatment that walks the reader through every uh, walks them, first of all, through the foundations of Freemasonry as an historian, and then explains in detail every papal bull, every encyclical, every canon and document from the Congregation of Doctrine of Faith, which is written against Freemasonry. My underlying purpose in writing this book was to show the continuity and consistency of all those documents, and to expose the many plots to undermine the ban against Freemasonry, um, that have been executed for the past nearly 300 years. And, and one of the most unique things that I, I included in this book um, was an account about three popes who were widely thought to be Freemasons. Um, but one uh, one was thought to be a Freemason, widely thought to be a Freemason, and, and actually was not. One was widely thought to be a Freemason and most certainly was and one was no one thought to ever accuse of being a freemason but most likely was and no pope francis is not is not one of these three I, I, what i'll do i'll link an essay i wrote about francis being what i call uh um the freemason's pope that's what I call him. Pope Francis is the Freemason's Pope. And succinctly what the essay demonstrates is that Freemason, I mean, Francis has never been initiated into the Masonic Lodge. But he is what I call a Masonic ally because he identifies very closely with and espouses at every chance he gets a core philosophical principle of Freemasonry, which is indifferentism, a heresy in the Catholic Church. There are many Masonic allies up and down the ranks of the Catholic Church. There always have been. And Francis is the chief amongst them all. The Freemasons Pope Francis is, but being initiated into Masonic Lodge, Francis has not. Okay. 
But here we go. Here's the rundown of the popes who were most likely at some point in time before they became bishops or priests were initiated into the Masonic order. But first, let me get the first one out the way, who everyone thought was a Freemason for a while, but actually was not. The first pope everyone accused of being a Freemason was Pope Benedict XIV. He had become pope following Pope Clement XII, who was the first pope to condemn Freemasonry in his papal in enmity. In Latin, that means on high warning. On high warning. And Benedict XIV was thought to be a very strong theologian. But because Freemasonry was becoming very influential throughout Europe, and many priests and, and, and nobles and cardinals and bishops and royalty of the courts had become seduced by Freemasonry and become members in their ranks. It did not take much for just the general people to assume that the Pope had fallen to their clutches too. Right? It's just that the time, you know, great suspicion. And it didn't help matters that um, it was assumed that because Benedict the Fourteenth, because he did not affirm um, uh, Pope Clement the Twelfth's um, papal bull enmity, because he did not affirm it, his predecessor's ban against Freemasonry, that he therefore was uh, didn't agree with it. Right, it's a logical leap there. Now, now to which Big Benedict the Fourteenth, to his credit, he did not take kindly in the least. When he did get around to promulgating his encyclical um, to the Roman province that reiterated Clement's ban in, in enmity. And if you read my book starting on page 69 and 70, you read paragraphs 4 through 6 of that encyclical of Benedict XIV. And you'll see that he considers it slanderous, slanderous and subterfuge. This rumor that he's a Freemason. And he states that the reason for writing this encyclical is to shut the mouths of these liars. So it's safe to say that Benedict XIV was not a Freemason and that nothing about his papacy could be considered to be weak on the Masonic order, despite his critics saying, well, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not acting fast enough, right? Speed is always the issue. Now, given that Pius IX, they're on Pius IX now, let's jump to Pius IX. Now, given that he had published a number of very strong encyclicals against indifferentism, modernism, secret societies, and Freemasonry, it's odd that he had been accused of being a Freemason himself. But his story is very similar to why Pope Benedict, by um, Pope Francis, has been accused of being a Freemason by some. Pius IX had been a very liberal bishop, and during a conclave that elected him, he was the hand-picked selection by the liberal bloc of electors. He was chosen to be their man, all right, to do their will, to deconstruct the papacy as they knew it at the time, and to enact their wish list of liberal policies in the papal states. Yet, not long into um, Pius IX's papacy, he discovered that the more you give liberals, the more they want, <laughs> the more they want to take. There's never enough you can give liberals. And... And the liberal policies that he enacted in papal states all began to backfire him, backfire on him at once. And thereafter, he, he's far more conservative than he was coming in, in fact, throughout his whole life. Another logical leap here, that someone is a liberal does not logically then follow that they are a Freemason. But Pius IX is the first pope, the first pope to be accused by, be accused by Freemasons that he's a Freemason. Two grand masters at a grand orient to Italy. 
Giuseppe Maria Garbaldi and Victor Emmanuel II, the king of Italy, both had accused Pius IX of having become a Freemason in his youth. In fact, they state that he had become a Freemason. He had become a third-degree Master Mason on August 15, 1839, in law situated in Palermo, Italy. Now, we're on page 103 in my book now, and if you read uh, this book, if you read it, you, you know how often I mention the name Giuseppe Garbaldi. His name keeps coming up because he's quite the character, and he has several points of intersection with the Catholic with Catholic history on this issue. Very influential Freemason that that that, that always has some machinations against the Catholic Church. Uh, if I were to take this case to the court, but I would say I would not rely solely on the witness of Garibaldi and Victor Emmanuel. These men, again, were enemies of the Catholic Church, and they worked to destroy it at every point of their adult life. But they do have a date and a location, a location of a claimed initiation. But the timing seems a bit off because Pius IX Giovanni, as he was called at the time, he was living in northern Italy, which is quite a distance from um, Palermo. Um, to try to do something so secretive, uh, you know, it's, it's quite different from North Italy to far South Italy. So there's some logistic problems here, but we're building a case. All right. So put that in your pocket for now. Now, a story carrying more substantial weight that Pius IX was at most a Freemason and at minimum when they're um, ideological allies. Albeit, we would still have to ignore his papal pronouncements against Freemasonry. But it's the fact that he donated, donated a stone block of marble from the Temple of Concord in Rome to be used for the construction of the interior wall of Washington's monument, George Washington's monument in Washington, D.C. The donated stone had never ended up being used for the monument uh, because it was supposedly stolen on the night of March 6, 1854 by nine men who were sympathizers of the now defunct anti-Masonic party. The grave problem with the stone donation, right, is that Washington, that the Washington Monument is a Masonic edifice, right, whose ceremonial cornerstone was laid by the Freemasons during their dedication ritual. The Vatican, along with several Masonic lodges, donated stones for the construction of this Masonic edifice that is dedicated to George Washington, who was not only the first president of the United States, but also the country's most revered Freemason. Therefore, it is suspicious that the pontiff of a church that forbids under the pain of excommunication any promotion, association, encouragement, directly or indirectly of Freemasons would donate a stone for the construction of a building dedicated to a Freemason. It's troubling. That is, if Pius actually knew um, what the building was to be used for and how it was going to be dedicated with a Masonic ritual, he excommunicated himself by donating that marble stone. Now, there is an argument from speculation that, that Pope Pius IX may have heard that the Americans were constructing um, a building for the first president and that he was simply reaching out as a monarch would. And 
the Pope at this time is a monarch. He's a monarch of the Papal States. That as he is reaching out as a monarch with just a friendly gesture to show goodwill and to build closer relations with the United States. Yet, <laughs> given some very other, some other inconsistent and confusing gestures of Pope Pius IX, such as sending a portrait of himself to the Confederacy President Jefferson Davis while telling the American bishops that the American Civil War is destructive while signing off on a letter from the Holy Office in 1866 that repeated um, St. Thomas's uh, uh, teaching that it is not contrary to natural and divine law for a slave to be sold, bought, exchanged, or donated. It may simply be the case that Pius IX was offering the world um, a very poor imitation of his predecessor, Pope Pius VII, by trying to politic himself into being an enemy of no one and a friend of everyone. So, but so despite the fact that Pius IX wrote prolifically against Freemasonry, we do have some issues here, right? One, again, he was the pick of the Masonic allies in the conclave. Two. Two grand masters claim to know the date he was initiated. And three, he donated a stone for an edifice to be con constructed to one of the world's most famous Freemasons. Yet, again, there's if I were to put this this trial this case on trial, some someone probably he would surely bring up that not only uh, all these writings of Pope Pius uh, against Freemasonry we have to deal with but also the time that he just flat out erupted um, against the Archbishop of Paris named George Darboy over his participation in a Masonic funeral for Bernard Perry Ma uh, Magnana who was a close friend of Napoleon III and Darboy also granted this man um, posthumously absolution for his sins and then he lied about the whole affair See, starting on page uh, 105 on book, read Pope Pius uh, IX's letter to Darbo. It's amazing. It's scathing. All right? So, yeah, given everything here, I'm going to say that Pope Pius IX had most likely become a Freemason in his youth. And like his liberal leanings, he had also abandoned the Masonic philosophy later on. All right? I'm very suspicious. Yes, I'm very suspicious of Giuseppe and Victor Emmanuel, but they had not accused any other pope but Pius IX of being a Freemason. And a whole scandal of donating a stone from Masonic edifice is very troubling. Right? So that, that's Pope Pius IX. Okay, now the next one might surprise you. And if you read my book, you, I think you may have been surprised to read that the pope who was the most prolific writer about the dangers of Freemasonry had been initiated in, in his youth as an entered apprentice, which is the first degree of Freemasonry, Pope Leo XIII, who had written six encyclicals directly about the Catholic Church's prohibition against Freemasonry, including Humanum um, Genius, which is the document, the standard concerning uh, what the Catholic Church believes to be the dangers of Freemasonry, as well as several other documents he wrote that, that touched on secret societies and in general in aspects of the Masonic program. Yet, according to Leo Taxil, who was granted an audience with um, Pope Leo XIII 
during um, the former's Catholic phase of his grand prank that you can read about starting on page 119. During this meeting, um, Leo Taxio states, during his audience that he was given, he states that Pope Leo XIII told him that he, one, he had read all of his books, all of Leo's books on Freemasonry, and that he had been convinced both after being initiated himself and after reading Leo's books that the devil truly is in the Masonic Lodge. Leo Taxil in his confession has said that during this audience at the Vatican with both that both Cardinal Rapolia and Pope Leo XIII had told him that they had been initiated into Freemasonry as entered apprentices in their youth. This is the confession. This is the witness that Leo Taxil was giving. Now, whether you believe this or not depends on whether you think Leo Taxil was telling the truth and nothing but the truth during his confession at the end of his nearly two decades um, long hoax. I'm going to side with Leo that he was telling the truth here for three reasons. One, lots of young men were caught up into Freemasonry during the 1800s. It was just a thing that you do in most parts of Europe. And there were a lot of misrepresentations about the Catholic Church's teaching on Freemasonry, just as it is today. And like I said, it was just the thing that you do. If you're a person of a particular social standing in Europe, you become a Freemason, right? Um, Pope Leo XIII, in a number of his encyclicals, this is the second reason, Pope Leo, in a number of his encyclicals against Freemasonry, constantly hammers home the threat that Freemasonry poses to the youth and the Freemasonry's attraction towards recruiting the youth. I think Pope Leo was speaking from experience here. Number three. Yeah, I, I think Leo Taxio told the truth and nothing but the truth during his confession in 1897. Why? I think he laid it out all on the line there because he had nothing to lose at this point. And he thought that this hoax is the greatest thing he ever accomplished. And he was proud of that. Why wouldn't he just spill it all? I think he left it all on the table. So yeah, I think it's interesting that the two popes who were most likely Freemasons are also the two most prolific writers, the two most prolific writers against Freemasonry in the Catholic Church. But also, it's not surprising at all, right? No more surprising than um, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, becoming Paul, the apostle of Christ. God sure does have a way of doing these 180 degree turns with people so that he can use them to accomplish his will on earth. So, yeah, let me know what you think down in the comment box. Based upon the evidence that I presented in this talk and in my book, those of you who read it, what do you think? Were Pius IX and Leo XIII Freemasons or at least initiated in their youth and then let it go? Or do you think I would lose this case if I were to take it to the jury? Right? I, I think we're beyond just circumstantial evidence. We have witnesses. We have documents. I mean, we, we have we have a lot here to think of to chew on. I think it's a slam dunk. But I'll let, I'll let you decide. And I'll be looking forward to your comments below, as always. Make sure you guys pick up my book if you haven't. All right? Um, but until then, and until next time, blessings. And shalom to you and to yours. Fool me, we can't get fooled again.